Yo, I'm Izzy. Welcome back to the Strange on Purpose podcast. From professionals in sports, footwear, fashion, and so much more, this is a show highlighting the imperfections of everyone's journey and the similarities between us all. This podcast wouldn't be possible without Yellowbrick. The team at Yellowbrick is changing the way education should look, from career-altering experiences to access to education. Yellowbrick is shattering the glass ceiling of education and providing access to industries that were deemed unattainable for so long. Check them out at yellowbrick.co. Welcome back to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I am, it's it's extremely hot today. It's 40 degrees in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, so I'm very, very happy. Um, and I'm excited to have on two guests for the first time in Strange on Purpose history, I believe. And um, it's going to be it's gonna be a fun time. So uh, before actually talking about who they are and everything like that, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to let them do it and just let them introduce themselves. So um, I have Ben Taylor and Ty Foster on today. So I appreciate both of you guys jumping on. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, appreciate it. So, Ben, do you want to give an intro as to who you are and what you do? Yeah, it sounds good. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm Ben Taylor. I'm I'm on here right now from from the UK. Thankfully, uh, finally a sunny UK. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm a, a I guess a, a, a brand marketer, a creative director, strategist wear kind of various hats um uh and also co-founder of, of ren which we're going to be talking a little bit about today ty let them know who you are yeah uh i'm i'm <laughs> coming in today from always sunny los angeles um <laughs> but yeah uh, uh ty foster um you know sort of a you know a, just a brand brand person really um Spent my early careers in in agencies in in New York City. Um, you know, worked for Under Armour for about five or six years. Uh, spent some time at Lego on the brand team there, and uh, most recently have been working with um, more in the startup space, kind of helping build brands from from the ground up. And um, lucky enough to be a, a co-founder of of Ren with my good friend Ben. So. Both of you guys have massive experience in brand building, and I just released an episode. Uh, today we're recording on February 25th, so um, just released an episode with Martha Garcia, uh, who was formerly of Hoka, and mm. she has been had experience building brands, and a student um, from Yellow Brick Sneakers actually asked her a question on the podcast and I'm going to ask you that same or both of you that same question I'm interested to hear your your responses so when we talk about brand building what do you think the biggest myth is uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, the biggest myth I mean you know one thing I would I would say there, there's not a, I think a lot of people look for a template, right? You look for um, uh, shared traits and, and characteristics of, of other brands that have been successful. Um, and, you know, you, you try to bring that over maybe to, to the brand that you're building. Um, 
I think there's value in that. So I don't necessarily want to say that's like the biggest myth, but I think, um, you know, it's probably a mistake to look outwardly before you're building um, and just focus, you know, uh, inwardly on kind of the, the DNA of the brand and sort of the, um, the purpose of the brand that you're building. And so I think, um, you know, you can't necessarily follow a path that another brand has blazed and think you'll mm. see that same level of, of success. Um, so, you know, I think to me, that's the, you know, something that I, you see that often, right? Everyone wants to just kind of copy what, you know, X brand did that got really, really successful. Um, and I think if you, if you're too focused on going down that route, then you run into it to, to a trap. Hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, I think that one thing that's interesting that has happened in the last probably five, six years or so is like, as, as direct to consumer brands have become like among the most known brands that we all talk about and reference, you know, when you work in this industry, I think there's, there's sort of become this perception among people in that startup world that you, you build your product and the product's the only thing that matters and you get the product out and then you bring in a brand person and they do the brand bit. And I think to me, that's, you know, that's a miss. If you look at the most successful brands, the ones that we all know and love the, you know, Nikes and apples and, and whoever the, who they were as a brand and, and how they existed was baked into their DNA from like the very start. And I think there's a, there's a bit of a, I guess, a, a trend towards uh, or touched on this, like cookie cutter, you know, D to C type brands, but you see them, you know, growing incredibly quickly and a lot of them have the same traits. And, and so then new ones come along and they want to copy it. And I think, um, I think that, you know, there's a reason some of the, the, the brands that we know and love have been around for so long. And it's because the, you know, who they are and what they mean is it was baked in from the beginning and they didn't have to sort of like, yes, they have great product, but also that, that was who they were and how they tell that story was just inherently part of it from, from the start. Interesting. I love both of those responses. I, um, Ty, you said uh, you focus on the startup space lately and mm -hmm. building something up from the ground. When we talk about brand building, I have you heard of Fast out of the Bay? Say that again. Uh, have you heard of Fast out of the Bay? It's a, uh, it's not e-commerce. Uh, it's essentially a payments platform. It makes uh, anybody to anybody anywhere like you can sign up for Fast, and instead of having to plug in your debit card on mm -hmm. every website that you shop on, you can just use Fast wherever you shop. Okay. Um, and where they started, to, where they started to build a brand. Uh, was on Twitter um, and the more that they 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 talked it was constantly like going to like basically they always asked their their community hey what could you use fast for yeah and they were always like using their their community and and building that community on uh, and and taking taking recommendations from their community so it's interesting to see where how much emphasis people put when they, when they talk about brand building 
a brand can really, I, I feel like a brand can really build itself if there's a strong community around it. Yeah. And um, Definitely. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited to see like with all these new startups coming up and uh, the rise of athlete investment and everything like that. I'm, I'll be excited to see how many brands really pop up in, in different spaces and how the, how everything looks in the future. But I, obviously you guys, both have such extensive experience that we'll get into later, but I really want to talk about, you both said your co-founders in this, let's, let's call it this thing called run. Do one of you guys want to kind of take the stage and say like, Hey, what is this for anybody that's listening that doesn't know? Ty, you want to take it? It always sounds weird when a British guy talks about basketball. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Ren is really is a, is a brand that was born out of, uh, you know, the passion that a couple of friends had for, for basketball, but then also um, the culture of basketball and uh, the role that storytelling plays um, within the culture of basketball and sort of spreading um, that gospel. And so uh, probably about seven years or so, about seven years ago, um, you know, Ben, ben hit me up and you know just was talking about this idea that he had for for a basketball magazine um and obviously from you know really resonated with me is you know i, I kind of grew up you know immersed in the game and, and hoping one day that I'd, I'd play professional or or in some way you know basketball always would be you know a big part of my life um and you know it was just one of those things where you know it felt right and and it was a, a really cool opportunity to try to create something um with a friend and you know we ended up creating a, a zine at the time i would say um and and one issue and initially it was focused around um the concept of looking specifically at at a city and the culture of basketball within that city and sort of um the different stories that you know, we found interesting and people from that city, you know, the writers from those cities or people who experienced um, these events, um, you know, would bring to life through this zine. Um, and, you know, so that that was kind of the genesis of it. And I think since then, um, you know, it's kind of continued to evolve into uh, just ideas that we bring to life, you know, around the game. Um, you know, print publication, it's a, it's a social media community. Um, and I think what's most exciting about it is that sort of at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, it, it's anything that we, we feel is interesting. And I think we have a community of creators and people that really kind of bring it to life with words or art. Um, and it becomes a platform for them, I think, to really express like their love of the game and, um, you know, what, what they think makes basketball you know so remarkable and, and so special um so yeah i mean that's that's rent that's dope ben where'd your where'd your um your passion come from you you said it it sounds weird coming from a, <laughs> a dude from the uk talking about basketball where did that come from yeah i mean without sort of um aging myself terribly it was uh it, it was the i mean it was the the balls of the 90s and 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 Jordan and you know my one of my first like ever memories of watching sport on on TV and being kind of like consumed with it was um 
was the Barcelona Olympics and 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 the dream team and and I sort of like got hooked from that and and was always just sort of obsessed with it, it felt kind of so out of reach and then because I mean it really was like there was again <laughs> aging myself terribly there was no internet so like we <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't just sort of fire up YouTube and watch watch highlights and 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 for a long time when I was growing up that you know there was no NBA on TV so I used to just get it any way I could get it like trying to uh, find old copies of Slam magazine or like VHS tapes or video games or like anything, anything that I could, I could kind of get my hands on to learn more about it. And, um, and it just sort of grew from there. And, and I realized, you know, pretty, pretty early on as I, as I was kind of growing up and, and starting to get into work that, uh, I just had so much energy for, I mean, I have a lot of energy for all sport and, and, and music and art, and, and that's kind of what's driven my career overall, but hoops particularly just, I don't know, there's something about it. I was just, it was just in my head all the time. And, and um, I was lucky enough to get the chance to write for Slam Magazine and write for Complex and, and other people. And, and um, yeah, it just sort of grew and grew. And then, uh, you know, when I, in 2013, I got the chance to move to to the US, and um, that was kind of the impetus for for Ren because I kind of got there and I was like, right, I'm I'm here now, and and I can go watch games whenever I want, and it's on TV all the time, and I can, and and, and I I don't know, I, I just love talking about it with Ty and, and and other friends of ours, and and it just felt like, well, if I'm if we're gonna do anything like this like this is the time to do it and this is the place to do it and so yeah that's that's kind of how it all all came about the league is really or talking about the nba the league has really blown up um in, in i'm not gonna even say recent years it's blown up over time and it's been interesting to see as i mentioned earlier the the influence that athletes have not just in in their game but outside of it as well and uh, these huge communities that they've built and these huge followings that they've built so when we when we talk about run and you guys were you, ben were you overseas like how this how this friendship kind of come to be and then like <laughs> did you just hit up ty randomly and say let's start a basketball magazine no so we well <laughs> we we got connected originally because um <laughs> I was one of about three people in the entire United Kingdom who was able to write passably about basketball. And Ty <laughs> was working in PR for Under Armour. And so a, a, a friend of ours, Ben Osborne, connected us because Ty was coming out to London and um, for, a, for a work trip. And uh, we kind of got on and, and uh, he kind of, you know we, we would stay in touch if he was in town or like if i was out in in new york or whatever and then um it sort of went from being like i don't know like i wasn't a very good writer so i guess i never felt like ty was a pr person trying to like pr me anything and <laughs> uh we, we just ended up talking about all, all sorts of nonsense music and uh 
soccer and uh, hoops and everything. And so it just sort of felt natural, to be honest. Like, it, it, I don't know. I don't, Ty, would you would you agree with that? It just sort of felt like a natural progression of like, we were we were already starting to come up with dumb ideas for things and maybe not following through on them. And then this one was like, oh, maybe this kind of clicked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's a accurate uh description i think of how it how it all started um you know sometimes you just meet somebody and i think you quickly realize you have shared interests you know we were working in in similar industries um you know we we had a mutual friend um and you know it just it just felt easy to talk about ideas right and just thoughts and, and sort of things that you think are interesting that maybe other people don't find interesting. But, you know, when you, you talk to someone and they see it the same way that you do in a lot of ways, um, you know, that doesn't happen all the time. And so I think we were kind of just fortunate enough to, um, to sort of build on the momentum of these ideas, definitely rather, rather slowly and sporadically as we're <laughs> kind of also working full-time jobs at, at the same time. And, you know, at one point living, you know, on, in the, I was in New York and, and Ben was in, in London. So obviously on different sides of the ocean too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just kind of needed that. I think that one idea to see through and, and once, you know, once that happened and, and really with kind of Ben driving the, um, the de- development of the first issue, which was the, um, the LA issue, which is kind of funny that we're in New York and London and the first issue was, was Los Angeles. Um, you know, but once you see that, you know, physically manifest and come to life, you know, I think it makes it a lot easier to just sort of continue, um, you know, to see what else is possible, right. In, in, in sort of this larger idea that, you know, we, we hope Ren can just be, you know, a, a I remember there was a, there was a point where, um, like we do we even do this now like about ren related things and non-ren related things where one of us will text the other one and be like what if we did xyz and then we kind of like text about it for four hours or whatever and then it never gets brought up again and but, <laughs> but like ren ren was like i remember we you know we'd even briefed we briefed some writers and we had yeah so there was tangible things happening but for me i remember there was a point where um we had a cover mocked up and which didn't even end up becoming the cover. But when I saw that, I was like, Oh, so this is a real, real thing now. Like this is, we have to do it because mm-hmm. it, it, it all of a sudden kind of felt not hypothetical and, and like something we were actually going to do. What's been the, uh, what's the best way to put this? I think, what I'm trying to ask is in a time where magazines are to most are dying. (laughs) What was the drive behind? I'm going to do, we're going to do a print magazine and we're going to, we're going to make it look dope. And I've seen some of them and they look amazing. So what was the, what was the, the, the push for that? Uh, (laughs) Keep in mind, this was 2013, but it was yeah. still the same scenario with print magazines. So that's not necessarily, <laughs> uh, you know, like the rationale is, is the same now, right? Like this was, you know, for sure, print magazines at that stage, you know, were, mm-hmm. were deep into the um, challenges that they were having. Um, I, You know, it's a, 
it's a real physical thing, right? It's like, I think, you know, having something that you can put on your coffee table, something that you can, you know, pick up in your hands and feel and read and, and look at and sort of, it's always there. Um, for, for me, that's the, that's the, um, sentimental value that creating a, a print magazine has, um, versus, you know, keeping something, something digital. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think the future of sports or, or basketball culture or anything like that by any means is, is in print. Um, but I always think there's, um, a space for, you know, really well done kind of, uh, print magazines and whatever form that they take, whether they be zines or traditional magazines. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's always something about having, you know, that, that physical story that's like in your hands and that you can read and you can take it with you everywhere. Um, so for me, that, that's the thing about, um, what makes the print magazine so, so special. And I think just like a, a core piece of, of, of Ren and sort of, you know, where it started from, even though you evolve and you, you tap into other, uh, touch points and communication channels, you know, probably more consistently because, you know, you're not doing a print magazine every month, um, mm. or anything like that. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, a great, a great coffee table book, a great magazine that you can go back to at any point, you know, is, is always going to be special. For me, it was like, it was a, like a couple of things that are pretty consistent with what we try and do with random generally in my life, I guess, like things that have got me excited. One was like, I have, I had no, I mean, current tense probably applies to, I had no idea how to make a magazine and I kind of thought <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> and there was some, something interesting in the, in the, challenge of it and kind of just running at it a little bit clueless um and and also i just remember like going in like seeing newsstands or or going into a, uh, a bookstore or whatever and thinking like it i'd buy this if this was here like I, yeah. i'd think it was dope and and i remember like that being a thing that that we kept talking about in in the early days was like if this was here, I'd buy it. And I, I think it was great. And so let's just do that. You guys had since 2013, you guys have had some massive jobs, uh, just looking at your LinkedIn's and time consuming jobs, I, I'm guessing. How like, how did you? What was the importance of finding time? What did that importance look like in finding time for this passion project? And I'm guessing others as well. And how does that look like even today for you and how important is it? I think um, the reality is that, at least for me, I've always found it hard to find time for to, to pursue passion projects outside mm -hmm. of my job. Um, and so I don't want to kind of give off the perception that, you know, it's easy and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm a master of kind of time management by any means. Um, and I think, you know, we've we've come out with, you know, there's a lot of ideas that, you know, we probably hope that we would have been able to bring to life, you know, through Ren. Um, but we haven't been able to because of because of our day jobs and, and because of other sort of demands on your time that life has. 
Um, I, but I think, you know, we've, I, I found enough time, I think in a lot of ways to kind of keep, keep it breathing. And I, and I think there've been times when, you know, Ben has been driving it and, and really pushing it forward. Um, and then maybe, you know, sometimes when, when he has other things going on and I can kind of step in and, and help, you know, um, help it maintain its momentum. I try to find time for things in my life that uh, are important to me. Um, and, you know, that that's helped me, uh, I guess, prioritize making sure that, you know, you can kind of, uh, you know, look at your week and, and start to think about when you're going to be able to work on certain things and, and when you're going to have that, that break in the, um, in your work schedule. Um, you know, when I was little, you know, I went to school, I went to practice. Uh, I still found time to, to play basketball on my own. I still found time to, to play soccer with my friends. You know, I think there's a, there's enough time for me right now in the day and the week to sort of substitute, you know, pick up basketball and, and practice basketball after school to, you know, spending time on, on rent after work or on the weekends. And so it's not as much as I, as I would hope. Um, but you know, enough that, you know, it, it's still, you know, it is where it is. And I think, you know, the potential for it to be even bigger, um, exists because of that. I think, um, I'd be doing the audience an injustice if we just kind of said you guys have been doing or works in pretty big jobs or anything like that. So we can transition into your journey, your individual journeys and how, how that's really impacted the, the overall goal of obviously working on run and building this brand and building this product that is, is something that'll last. And uh, I believe the hat that is on the site, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it's sold out, but the hat says just trying to get paid to talk hoops with my friends. And like, in order to do that, you guys have had to work some massive jobs and, and kind of grind it out in a sense. So Ty, when, when uh, we've hit on your experience with Under Armour and Lego, and you, you mentioned a little bit of your experience, what's, what's really been the, like, even right now with your work at Art of Sport, what it, what's been the one position that's really stood out to you? Like, damn, I'm, I'm just a kid just trying to do this, but I, I landed this position and, and now look at me. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm doing my own thing and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it well. Uh, definitely Under Armour. Prior to, prior to that, I was, you know, on the agency side and working with a lot of traditional consumer brands, um, and it was cool. I enjoyed that work, you know, worked with a lot of really smart people. I wasn't in sports at that time, though. Uh, I worked with some brands that, you know, lived in sport, but you, you always had five or six different brands that you were working with at one time. Uh, so I wanted to I wanted to get into sports. It was always on my on the career agenda that I, that I, you know, planned for myself and some way to figure out how I could work in, in sports and have sport be a part of my career. And so getting to Under Armour was, was the 
realization of that. And Mm -hmm. while I was at Under Armour, you know, there was a, I worked closely, you know, helping to build out the basketball category with a lot of amazing people um, and not a lot of resources to, to go up against some of the competitors that we were competing with in that space. And, you know, the experience of, of being part of the team that went and pitched Stephen Curry to join the brand and then having the opportunity to to lead that category globally in marketing for, you know, really the peak years of, of Stefan's, um, well, I, I, the way that he's playing right now, it looks like he, he's got a lot of peak <laughs> years left. Um, but just the, you know, that unbelievable run that, that he had and the Warriors had and to be a part of that and, and that really driving what we were doing on the on the marketing side and being able to experience, you know, that as a, you know, not, not a super insider, but on some level sort of inside um, what was happening there. I mean, that, that's incredible. That, that can never be taken for granted. And I think when I, if you, when I think about the sort of young version of myself, you know, that's one of those moments or, or career experiences, um, you know, that, that's just, cool like there's no other way to put it you know it's you know kind of working with him you know being being around everything that was happening then seeing him grow and evolve um and then of course you know uh, through ups and downs on the on the on the brand side but you know the the shoe was killing at the time like definitely you know Mm -hmm. a lot of wins and points on the board um that will always be i think a defining uh era in my career a moment i guess um, and then in a lot of ways it, you know, serves as the, the catalyst for, you know, the roles that came after that. And then, you know, so here at Artist Sport joined, joined before we launched, you know, got, got the opportunity to, to, uh, very fortunate to spend some time, uh, with Kobe and, and get to see how he thinks, um, which is invaluable, you know, get, get the opportunity to spend time with James Harden. Um, on the business side, because you know these are people who are, you know, they have equity in the company. They're they're here to help build it and grow it, um, and so it's pretty special now too. Uh, but if I had to choose sort of one moment, you know, it would definitely be the the Under Armour basketball run from 2014 to to 2016 or so. That's awesome. That's amazing. Ben, do you have one of those moments that that has really stood out to you? Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna play the cool guy card and pretend that uh, it wasn't insane to be the first brand director of Easy. Like that, <laughs> that was like just, uh, just a you know amazing experience and um, learned a hell of a lot and uh, was definitely a sort of you know moment of like damn this is pretty crazy yeah (laughs) Yeah, i mean literally in you know some several instances just like the sort of thing that you you know you you wouldn't believe if somebody told you the story so that 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 was really cool and and and, uh honestly kind of like opened opened my mind to new ways of working and, and new levels of ambition and uh new levels of creativity and so yeah, it was awesome. You know, 
amazing to get the chance to to do it and to work with Kanye and, and the, the awesome team that were that were part of it. So that that one stands out. Other than that, I mean, when I, when I um, I was lucky enough when I was working with with AKQA, which is a super successful, brilliant digital agency, advertising agency, um, to work on a Nike World Cup campaign. Oh, uh, that's dope. In 2014, and and that, and that was like, you know, my childhood dream like come true, and and I also got to do it with a, a group of like my my closest friends in the whole world, and so that you know that was sort of personally very special, and so yeah, somewhere somewhere in those two things, you know, pretty pretty lucky, and and um, definitely like young me would would hopefully be impressed for about five seconds <laughs> it's been it's it's really cool to look at both your experiences and realize like as we said from the beginning like it's the brand building is something that it, both of you are very passionate about and before we transition a little bit i have to ask ben you you spent some time with human race mm-hmm. and um more specifically helping launch the new skincare brand that Pharrell launched. Um, It's something that almost came out of left field for a lot of people. Um, How did that, how did that really come to fruition? Well, I don't think I'm speaking out of term when I say Pharrell has the most incredible skin of pretty much any human. I think all three of us Um, can admit to that. (laughs) I mean, it's a no brainer. Uh, No, there's, there's, um, I I was really lucky. To, I got the opportunity to work with him uh, first a, a couple of years ago, and then um, a good friend of mine, uh, Rachel Muscat, who who is the GM of of Human Race or president mm-hmm. of Human Race and, and, and runs Pharrell's business um, for that stuff. Uh, she she her and her team did all of the hard work of like making this incredible product and working with. Um, dermatologists and and developers to to make you know what is 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 an incredible really really good product um, and then yeah they they asked me to come in and, and help launch it and I think from from my interaction with Pharrell like it is something that he's wanted to do for a really long time and uh, maybe the opportunity hasn't hasn't been right but they've yeah they've spent a couple of years kind of behind the scenes doing doing the hard work and now it's out in the world and doing incredibly well and selling out and uh having a great impact and it's uh, it's really cool to see it's kind of cool uh from a marketer's perspective i'm on their email list and for me to say um to get emails to say hey we're restocking um and just different terms like that compared to some of the other skincare brands that i follow um, it's almost treated like a, a, a skincare brand that's in within the culture, which is very, very um, yeah. smart and interesting um, from my I think standpoint. it's, you know, a lot of the, the team, Rachel and myself worked together uh, on Yeezy and Rachel had an amazing career at Adidas working on like the biggest, the biggest products that they, they've, um, they've released for the last sort of 10 years or so. And so, you know, we both came from that, that sneaker world and and you know i guess wanted to bring a little bit of that um to skincare and and you know make it feel like a bit of a 
a different experience and i think it's you know people have responded really well to it that's amazing well you both have uh extensive agency experience uh which is something that i've talked with i see a lot of people working with brands and um and working with teams if i'm interviewing anybody in sports that come from the agency side and it's experience that uh it's almost invaluable uh, and ty your your experience with edelman um working with brands like pepsi like dove like axe like burger king and and so many more i is there something that really stands out? Like you ended up landing that, that position with Under Armour right after. So mm. I'm, I'm guessing that experience was extremely, Edelman is massive. So I'm guessing it was almost invaluable. Yeah, definitely. You At a young, you know, I came into Edelman right after I graduated from college. Um, I was in a, a group called Multicultural Marketing. And so within this large, you know, global PR firm there's sort of small practices that they had one of the smaller ones at the time was multicultural marketing and so my team you know was focused on you know how to how does this brand or this client really engage with uh, uh, US black communities and US Hispanic communities in a way that's meaningful um, but you're working with some of the you know, largest companies in the US or, or globally on those efforts and you're working within an ecosystem of, you know, hundreds of, of people just in the New York office. And so one, the exposure that you have to clients like Pepsi and Unilever and understanding how they operate and how they work uh, and, and as an agency and as being part of the agency, having to have a really high standard of work so that they, you know, to deliver on what they expect um, is, a, a good launching point, I think, for for my career was a good launching point to be in that situation. Uh, I was also around a lot of really smart people, and you know, if you're at a really good agencies, I think one of the most important capital that they have is is the is the employee network and how mm -hmm. everyone challenges each other to be smarter and and, and raise their game and. You know, as long as the the culture is healthy, I think it, you know it's done in a really positive way. And just by being there and, and listening to people, you're gonna you're gonna learn uh, and you know act as a sponge when you're young and you're in that situation. Because our team was also sort of a smaller practice. You know, I was in a position at an early age of really helping to figure out how to grow that practice and and drive it and, and figure out how we can go after new business. And so I think in a lot of ways it it forced me to to grow up i guess within the professional stage you know faster uh so that was an, that was another benefit for me personally but you know i think everybody has to choose their own path uh, i do think there's a lot of benefits of of coming into an environment that's very dynamic and fast-paced like an agency you're working with you know a lot of different clients i worked in a lot of different industries at the time so i'm pivoting from you know, two hours working with this pharmaceutical brand and the next, you know, two hours of my day, I'm thinking about, you know, campaigns that we're building for Axe or Pepsi or something. And so I think it just helps you become a well-rounded marketer, right? And so mm -hmm. that's sort of your early on in your career, you know, I think there's value in sort of starting broad 
um, and, and working across different industries and with different clients um, in the agency world and then, you know, figuring out from there, you know, do you want to go narrow and sort of have a sharper focus on you know, the marketing specialty um, or do you want to stay broad and just sort of be like the, the utility marketer and have that, that wider skill set? Um, to bring to the table, and so for me, for me, it was super beneficial. I, I, I think the the time that I spent there helped me get to where I am today. I love that. What uh, what are you both excited for in the future? I'm excited for this uh, NBA Top Shot dropping <laughs> in two hours, three hours, whatever it is. No, I um. I think that one of the, the coolest things that's happening at the moment, and you know, I, I say this sort of partly with my Ren hat on and partly with my sort of other consultant, creative director, or whatever hat on, is that um, before I think it was really hard for smaller brands to get oxygen and, and to be seen and heard because you know you you the big brands just sort of they, i mean they still obviously like dominate the conversation but i think going back to some of the things that we were talking about earlier around community um it's never been a better time to be an independent small brand because mm -hmm. you you can connect with people in such a personal way you can you can really build relationships with them you can get to know them like intimately and 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 you know and they can know you and your company and what you're about and and uh i think it's it that that side of things is is really really cool to see really interesting it's you know i was talking to a young designer the other day and and was saying like you know when when i was 18 like man to have like a tool like Shopify that I could jump on and, and just basically start a whole like online business in 30 seconds to, to have Instagram, to have YouTube, to have, you know, all of these channels where I can go and I can go and build connections. I can try ideas out. I can, um, I can experiment. I think it's just really, really cool, really cool time. Yeah, I would, I would echo that. I think there's a lot of, platforms that exist now and a lot of platforms that will exist in the future that enable people to turn their passion into businesses right that provide you the tools and resources to monetize you know an, an idea that you have something that you're passionate about um and get it out into the world right this podcast is a good example of that you know um totally. you know if you thank you if, you, if you're very <laughs> interested about you know if you if you love you know, a topic, you know, now you can, you can turn that into a newsletter and there's Substack and, and Memberful and all these different platforms that allow you, you know, to turn your, your idea and, and sort of your creator passion uh, into something that can get out to people who, you know, are also passionate about that subject or that topic. And I think, you know, that is going to be something that we continue to see sort of proliferate um, in the future. And so I think, you know the idea of of um, uh, you know creators and and individuals having not the same but but more 
power and resources to to bring you know businesses to life or ideas to life without necessarily having to rely on you know crazy amounts of capital or venture funding in order to do that and you can really do it through just community building um in a lot of ways uh and then you know you can make it as big or or you know as not big as you want it to be i think that's the most interesting thing to watch and see how that's going to evolve over the next couple of years i'm interested to hear the answer to this question uh from each of you so um what makes each of you strange on purpose <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to hear this answer too. <laughs> yeah, it's a great title for a podcast, by the way. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, it's. I would just say, you know, I don't know if it's strange or if it's strange on purpose. Um, I, I'm just, you know, trying to, I'm trying to live a life where the things that I'm passionate about, the sort of the things that, um, are interesting to me, uh, play a, a very big role in my life, whether or not they have, um, you know, any huge or clear financial or monetary reward. And, and so, um, you know, there's no, uh, you know, not everything is, is um, you know, planned out and, and, you know, super detailed. And I think the path, mm -hmm. you know, that I'm taking, there's, there's been consideration to it. Um, but mostly it's just, it's going off a of gut and, and what feels right, whether that's, um, sort of professionally and, and career wise, you know, is definitely eclectic. I've worked at, I worked at, you know, Under Armour. And then, you know, a couple of years later, I was working at a direct to consumer startup that was, uh, you know, selling kids clothes to, to millennial parents. And so, um, you know, there's not probably not a lot of people who are, you know, head of marketing for a basketball category. And then, uh, you know, jump to, to Lego to, to work on the, the brand team there. And then you're working with a, a kid's clothing company. And now I'm back at, you know, a brand like Art of Sport that lives at the intersection of sort of sport and, and sport culture and performance. Um, so, you know, and, and a lot of that has just been based on, um, you know, not wanting to just have any one experience, right? I think, you know, I've just always been open to, um, what's new um mm -hmm. and and willing to kind of see if that new experience is as fulfilling or more fulfilling than what i've done in the past um so you know so it probably means you know it'll it'll lead me down a lot of different directions which i don't even know you know exist right now or aren't really in you know in my sight at this time um but i'm sure just based on that um randomness i guess um, you know, there's, there's more new experiences from a career standpoint, um, that, that I'll experience over the years that, you know, two or three years ago, you know, I wouldn't even have on my, on my radar. Mm -hmm. Love that. Ben, what makes you strange on purpose? He's British. 
yeah, <laughs> and yeah. he likes basketball. Yeah. <laughs> the accent the accent is a real thing like basically you know for anyone who's listened to this 99.9 percent of my career has been based on having this accent and if i ever lose it i'm in real real trouble you're screwed um it's not it's not good I, i've had to move back to the uk for a couple of years just to freshen it up and then i'll i'll be, I'll be back um i think i think I think I'm just like, I just wing it. Like, I feel like my whole career has been like, sort of dedicated to the art of winging it. And, um, and I love looking at a problem and not having the first clue how to solve it. And, and sometimes those problems have been major, major, like, hundreds of millions of dollars billions of dollars on the line for for a company problems and thinking like i've got no idea what i'm going to do here and then <laughs> and then just diving in and figuring it out and i think um you know aside from the accent i think commitment to sort of i just i kind of I, I vibe with that feeling of just like cluelessness and being like okay Let's just let's just have a go at this. Figure it out. I love that. I love that. Where uh, where can where can people find out more about Run? Where can people follow both of your journeys? Well, you can follow Ren. Ren, uh, we're on Instagram um, at Ren Quarterly. Um, we are about to relaunch uh, our, our subscription newsletter. So there'll be more information on that on, on, on the IG page or runquarterly.com. Um, where else are we, Ty? We're on LinkedIn as of, as of the other day. We, we created a LinkedIn are page, which is our first Let's for go. Us. <laughs> Yeah, we are on LinkedIn. You can, you can still check out some of the magazines. Uh, if you go to rentquarterly.com, we still have some of the magazines available. Um, and yeah, th that's where you can find Ren. And, and that that's all a lot more interesting than following my career. So I recommend everybody <laughs> <laughs> go, go follow the REM platforms. There's a lot more interesting things on a daily there than it is to follow, than it is to follow my career. Agreed. But if anyone wants to talk about winging it, find us on LinkedIn and we'll jump on a zoom and we can talk nonsense for 30 yeah. minutes. <laughs> well, I appreciate you both jumping on the strange on purpose podcast. I look forward to see what Ren is in the future. And, um, I look forward to possibly meeting you guys once, uh, once COVID figures itself out. Yeah. Thanks for, for sure, having man. us. Izzy. Thank you for listening to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I literally would not be able to do anything without you listening. So it's been awesome to see all the different places that people are listening and everything like that. If you want to support, please check us out on Instagram or tell your friends to check out an episode. You listening today means the absolute world to me and I cannot thank you enough.